Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Niall Boyce, editor of the Lancet Psychiatry, and today we're talking about the issue of stigma in mental health. You've probably read a lot about anti-stigma efforts aimed at the general public, but in this podcast we're focusing on a topic that mental health care professionals might feel less comfortable talking about. The topic is, of course, stigma and discrimination within healthcare itself. You can read a review paper on this subject in The Lancet Psychiatry, and I'm pleased to be joined today by one of the authors, Claire Henderson. Claire, would you like to tell our listeners a bit about yourself and what exactly you mean by the terms stigma and discrimination in this context? Sure, thank you, Niall. I'm a clinical senior lecturer at um, King's College London Institute of uh, Psychiatry, Psychology and Neurology. I'm a psychiatrist, I do research and I, I teach master's students and I supervise PhD students. In terms of a, a definition of stigma, the one we use in the review and throughout our research is uh, one that's very pertinent to um, stigma as a, a public health problem and we define it as consisting of problems of knowledge so um, ignorance or misinformation which contributes to negative attitudes and attitudes are really about the more sort of emotional side of what people think so you may have may understand mental illness in terms of stereotypes and that may then evoke fear or condescension and then along with knowledge and attitudes um, we think about it in terms of behavior so negative behavior can be viewed as discrimination but sometimes it's really worse than that in terms of um, human rights abuses for example. And your paper covers mental health related stigma in healthcare and mental health care settings and this title I think might surprise people uh, maybe even even upset them. I suppose the most important question to start with is does stigma and discrimination related to mental health happen uh, in these places and if so how big is the problem? Well definitely it happens and really uh, the size of the, the scale of the problem is considerable um, whichever way you look at it. Now we decided for this review that it's helpful to consider stigma um, at three levels really and if you think about the, the sort of healthcare service level first there's a structural level and there's been quite a lot certainly in the UK um, in the news recently about the relative underfunding of mental health services and the need to put them um, on a par with physical health uh, services. Um, so that's one problem. Um, another place where one can see um, stigma operating at, at a kind of an organisational level is in terms of the uh, relative lack of training in mental health that other health professionals get. So if you don't choose to specialise in, in psychiatry or mental health nursing, then you can end up really not knowing a great deal. And the, at the interpersonal level, it's the second level. Now, this is really where most of the research um, is carried out. So it's, it's you know people's attitudes, people's experiences of discrimination. We see here that if you ask people about their experiences of discrimination um, within physical health care and within mental health care, um, really, you see pretty much the same thing um, every year. We, we've been doing a survey since 2008, and really there's been no change since then. Um, we're doing a survey where we interview about a 1,000 people each year, and each year about a third of those people report what they feel is unfair treatment, um, and that applies to both mental health professionals and physical health professionals. And at the last um, level... We, we have to consider the intrapersonal level. Right. So if you uh, imagine um, you know, being aware of, of public stigma or experiencing stigma as somebody with a mental health pr um, problem, then that can really be internalised and change the way that people think about themselves. So people think about themselves um, in a very negative way often. And, um, and that, again, is a very, very prevalent problem. So that leads us on 
to the next question really, which is that if I were a person with a mental health problem accessing health services or mental health services, how would I experience? What sort of form does this stigma take? So taking um, experiences, first of all, in physical health care, the commonest complaint um, that we seem to come across is one of not being taken seriously. And um, it's interesting, right now we have a, a poster campaign that Rethink Mental Illness um, have just started and there are um, posters in the Tube in London, for example, talking about how there's a 20-year gap in life expectancy for people with the more severe forms of mental illness. Um, and um, there's a woman talking about her brother and how his symptoms um, of myocardial infarction weren't taken seriously, and as a result, he died. And this is, as I said, the most the most common thing that people talk about. In terms of receiving poorer quality health care, it can be quite hard for people to know um, you know, whether they got poorer quality care because they don't know necessarily what should have happened. Um, and uh, we have started talking to um, liaison psychiatrists so psychiatrists working in general hospitals about what they observe. And they talk about things like unhelpful use of security guards, um, disrespectful or rude behaviour towards uh, people with mental illnesses, um, avoiding people during the ward rounds and so not necessarily engaging people very much and talking about the management of their illness, sometimes failure to give people their um, psychiatric medications or give them enough analgesia, those kinds of things. In terms of mental health care, um, people complain um, about, often about the excessive focus on the diagnosis uh, that seems to sort of exclude an interest in them as a person. And likewise, in terms of treatment, an excessive focus on medication, which they, they feel is a way to, you know, sort people out quickly and sort of get them out the door. Mm -hmm. So this, this sense of, you know, people wanting to avoid contact with them through the use of medication. Um, can be something that, that sort of comes across in the way that we treat people. Another thing that people find stigmatising is the use of coercive measures um, in, in psychiatry and also professional therapeutic pessimism. Um, if people sort of receive the message that it's very unlikely that you know, their problem will improve or that they'll be able to work or have a family, for example. And lastly, sometimes people feel that their um, ability to not disclose their illness is undermined because of the um, side effects that our medications can give people. So that's another source of, of stigma. And obviously for mental health professionals this is very difficult because clearly you know, some of the things that we do to people, you know, we, we have to sometimes be coercive. But then I guess it's a question of how to do that in the least stigmatising way possible. And is it worse among any particular uh, group of people, say for a particular diagnosis or a particular age group? In terms of um, particular diagnosis, certainly the focus in the literature that we reviewed has been on substance misuse disorders and also on self-harm and borderline personality disorder. And there's evidence from samples of both mental health professionals and other health professionals for greater stigma directed at both of these groups. And I think most people will probably be asking at this point, how, how does this happen? How can it be that professionals whose job it is, who've trained for years often to help people with mental health problems, can end up contributing to that sense of stigma and rejection and, as you said, uh, pessimism uh, that, that many of their patients feel? Yeah, so how does this happen? I think that the starting point for this is um, really to, that we have to take on board that everybody um, learns stereotypes about mental illness at really quite an early age. Um, there's research to suggest that this starts at around age seven, which is obviously a long time before anybody decides to become a health professional, um, let alone specialise in, in, in mental health. 
and um, and so you know you have these stereotypes i have these stereotypes and um, amongst uh, health professionals who haven't chosen to work in mental health care um, then you know those those stereotypes won't necessarily be challenged um, unless you know somebody comes along with some sort of intervention um, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Now, obviously, mental health professionals um, are slightly different because they've chosen to work you know with a group that is very stigmatized. And there's evidence from a, a study in our review that they essentially learn to suppress activation of stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So instead, they've developed their own you know personal beliefs um, that this is a you know a group that they want to help and they want to advocate for. Um, and, and, you know, th- and those beliefs really disagree with the stereotypes. Um, having said that, you know, there are, there are still some problems. As I said, that you know, some, of, some of the treatments and the coercion that we end up um, doing as mental health professionals is experienced as stigmatising, um, you know, regardless of the, the good intentions of the mental health professionals. So we have to try to focus on the mitigation of that rather than being able to completely eradicate it. The other problem is that professionals can develop new negative attitudes um, as a result of their work. And you mentioned um, therapeutic pessimism. And this occurs actually throughout healthcare because um, as professionals, we see people when they're at their most ill. And if you think about any particular diagnostic group, we see the most ill people. So we get a very biased view of what it's like um, to have any particular illness. And that's you know, unless we seek out um, people who are not so severely affected or who have, um, you know, made made great strides in terms of being able to manage their illness and, and live with it well, um, we will retain that that biased view, and then we may pass on that pessimism um, to other service users. The other thing is that people burn out. Um, and whatever job people do, if they experience burnout, they become cynical about the people that they are supposed to be helping. Um, and having that cynical attitude will then come across as a stigmatising attitude. So clearly I, I wouldn't want to discourage people from accessing healthcare of any sort. Uh, in my experience on the whole, health services, specifically mental health services, do a very good job under what are very difficult uh, circumstances. But at the same time, if there is a problem, it needs to be recognised, which is, is a good thing to recognise it, but, but really it also needs to be sorted out. And you mentioned interventions uh, to reduce stigma in this context. I wonder what sorts of solutions have been tried and have they worked? In the um, review, uh, in terms of interventions to reduce stigma in, in health professionals, most of the interventions that we found um, were educational. Um, and the rationale for this is um, there, there should be a direct effect. If you um, improve knowledge, then people will have a better idea that you know stereotypes are are um, inaccurate, and the therapeutic pessimism can also be addressed. You know, for example, if you educate people about the long-term outcomes of of mental health problems, and also an indirect effect may occur. So if people um, are more confident um, about their skills for treating people with mental illness and do indeed have better skills, then they will experience a more positive interaction with the person and so that they won't perceive them as being you know, difficult to treat as a result. There's also um, a little bit of work uh, that isn't yet published, uh, but, but we became aware of it during the review, looking at what are called contact interventions. And this is being done throughout Canada at the moment. Um, and by contact interventions, I mean um, sort of exposing health professionals uh, to people in a way that can address prejudice by 
um, disconfirming stereotypes as well as um, sort of uh, you know, addressing myths about mental illness. So going back to this idea of addressing um, therapeutic pessimism, if you um, allow people to um, health professionals to meet um, people who've used their services uh, who have mental health problems um, who are doing well, um, then this this can help to address stigmatizing attitudes. And then last, um, we found a study looking at what's called acceptance and commitment therapy, the aim of which was to reduce both burnout and stigma. This was a small-scale trial, but it did have positive effects on both. And um, the idea with, with something like this type of therapy is that it kind of reinforces people's personal values, and that's the way that you know, people can sort of remember like why they wanted to do this job, and that helps them to tackle their own sort of cynicism that may have built up over the years. So for the mental health professionals listening to this podcast... For people who are tasked specifically with running mental health services, what would you recommend they do themselves to wipe out mental health-related stigma and discrimination? Well, I think it's uh, important for effectively addressing stigma and discrimination in, in services that people bear in mind these three levels that we proposed. So at the structural level, um, clearly lobbying for a more equitable distribution of resources um, is something that... Um, everybody in mental health services should continue to do, but also to have some conversations with colleagues in physical health care about their need for training, for example, and about perhaps the, the need to monitor the quality of physical health care provided to people with mental illnesses. In terms of um, the interpersonal level, it's clearly very important to look after mental health staff and um, staff providing physical health care because of this issue of burnout. Um, and within mental health services, um, encouraging people to practice in a recovery-oriented way, so a way that you know promotes hope and um, doesn't excessively focus on risk and symptom reduction. And at the int intrapersonal level, um, we have to have a think more about how we help people to address internalised stigma. There's lots of, of, of evidence that, for example, after um, a first psychotic episode, um, depression is very, very common and um, self-stigmatising thoughts are very, very prominent in that group. And so more um, therapy, more consciousness raising, you know, encouraging people um, to um, tackle you know, stigma, teaching people ways to tackle stigma in their own lives as all things that we can consider. Reducing stigma and discrimination isn't something you do and it's done. It's more like a newspaper. You sort of have to make it up new every day. It's continuous monitoring, improvement. And from what you're saying, the heart of it is really focusing on the patients and what service users are saying about the way that they're treated. I think that's right. I mean, we've we've uncovered a number of problems that people complain of, and uh, we need to, to really measure those. We could turn them into you know quality indicators in terms of mental health and physical health care. But it's also clear that, as I said before, people don't necessarily know you know what care they should have received, and so there's a, a quality monitoring. Um, in not just from the patient's perspective that needs to go on as well. And we need to develop and test um, evidence-based um, interventions. We know a little bit about the effectiveness of education. There's more work to come, come using contact. It wouldn't be difficult to combine the two so that you incorporate contact um, with mental health service users into educational programmes. And we need to study 
um, the impact of, of interventions to reduce burnout. Thank you very much for coming in and talking to us and thank you also for the review paper uh, which we've been discussing. That paper on mental health related stigma in healthcare and mental health care settings is free online at our website and can also be found in the November 2014 print issue of the journal. So uh, thank you again for joining us, Claire. Thanks to you, the listener, for downloading. And I hope, as ever, that you will join us for the next Lancet Psychiatry Podcast.